Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Olivia Mentor. And I know it's only been a week in podcast time, but Olivia and I haven't recorded together in a while. So I feel like we have a lot to catch up on. So much. So much. I'm very curious to hear about your high. I see it in the outline. I'm very curious to hear about your high. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited to talk about it, actually. (laughs) I can go first. Mine is very quick. I've heard third hand. So, you know, we're not putting 100% stock in this, but I've heard third hand that they're taking my apartment off the market. Oh my gosh. What does this mean? So I heard this from my neighbor who heard it from our super, whose English is not great, who heard it from the actual landlord. So again, it's third hand, but apparently they have gotten So the backstory, if if you missed it, is that the apartment building that I live in was getting sold. I live in a rental. I don't have a lease right now. So I was very scared that I was going to get kicked out of my apartment and have to find somewhere new to live. And apparently they've gotten a few offers on the building, but it's below what they wanted. And so they're going to take it off for a year or two and hold on to it until, I guess, until the economy improves. Wow. A plot twist. Oh my gosh, I'm so relieved. I feel like it's a stay of execution. I just feel like my whole (laughs) life is so up in the air right now that not that I couldn't handle it, but just I didn't want to. I mean, why would you? That's so stressful. So stressful and completely out of your hands, which is the worst part of all. So I'm feeling massively relieved. Good. I'm so glad. But tell me yours. You have been in Sicily and Cotswolds (laughs) and London for... Almost two weeks. I want to hear your high. Yeah, gosh, it was such a wonderful trip. It was so much jumping around. I saw a lot of old friends too, went to a wedding. But my high, I chose this one moment. It was a couple days ago. It was one of my last days in London. Jake was working. I just went out on my own to explore. I went to, have you ever been to Seven Dials? I guess it's like mm-hmm. a an area or a market. I, I don't know. I went to get a bunch of coffee. I went to Monmouth Coffee Company, which was delicious. Then I went to Neil's Yard, which is this little like square. I don't know how to describe it. It looks straight out of Paddington too. I got the most delicious toast with zucchini and burrata at this place called 26 Grains. I got a coffee. I wrote in my journal. I wrote some emails. I did some pen palling, like all of that for an afternoon. And then I left. I was already on this like high, like this afternoon of like Olivia is in her heaven. And then I ran into this person who said, oh my gosh, I I listened to your podcast. And I was like, this has made my year. So shout out to Rachel and her friend. I didn't get her friend's name. Oh my gosh. Did they live in London or were they also visiting? Actually, I think they live in Bangkok, if I remember correctly. But uh, they were also visiting and they're like, we were following your saga in Sicily with no water, which that's a story for another day if you haven't (laughs) seen on Instagram. But it was just so nice. So I wanted to give a little shout out to Rachel, who was very kind. And it, it, yeah, it really made my made my day. That sounds like the perfect vacation travel day. It was really, really lovely. It was very restorative after kind of running around for a bit. So I felt very grateful for the afternoon. But um, shall we get to, to Lowe's? Yeah. Tell me your low, because I'm shocked that it is not the oh, fact gosh. that there was no water in Sicily. So this must be... <laughs> This must be a crawl space in hell if this is if this is beat out that you you spent the first two days of your vacation after traveling for 24 hours with no water. Yeah, it it wasn't great. So the short version of the Sicily thing, if you're wondering, is that we flew from Florida. We had driven down here for Philly to drop off Winnie with Jake's parents and to visit his family. We flew from Orlando to London. Then we flew from London to Sicily. So it was a very packed day of travel. It's extremely hot in Sicily. We get off the plane. We go and (laughs) we take a bus ride for an hour and a half. We get to our Airbnb after walking up these hills, looking our luggage up the hills, sweating profusely. And there's no running water anywhere. Turns out there's no running water in the whole city. It happens occasionally. So we didn't shower for a solid almost 48 hours, which was rough. However, the low that I've chosen to talk about today, which I feel like I'm already taking up too much time, but something about traveling for two weeks and seeing a lot of my friends from when I I lived abroad for a year in college, I saw a lot of them who live over there, sent me into such an existential crisis. I cannot explain to you the amount of 
just nostalgia and panic that it brought to me. Oh, that you you were <laughs> jealous that you don't live in Europe or that what what's the do you have any idea what is at the root of it? Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to figure this out. I guess what it is is you know, I lived over there for a year. I had all these friends. And because I did like a full exchange, I didn't know anyone where I went there. And I just feel like I built all of these very close relationships. I seriously considered moving to Europe after college or transferring to the college I was at there. And so I just had this moment where I was like, oh, wow, there's this other version of life I could have had. And it's your sliding doors moment. It is. And it really tripped me out and made me Sad is not the right word, but I guess what it is, is I'm getting to this point, and if anyone can relate to this, please let me know, where I'm I'm turning 30 next year. Of course, a lot of people around me are having children and all of that and kind of settling into life where I'm like, I don't know. I feel like you hit this point where you realize if you want to change your life in a big way, you kind of have to like blow things up. <laughs> you know, it's like not as simple anymore. It's like, oh, after college, I'll have the chance to move here or I'll get a job here. And so... For some reason, I just got really like in my head about it, but it was wonderful to see everyone. And I'm not complaining at all, of course, but maybe someone out there who's around my age can relate to this. I don't know if you've been through those moments, Becca, but please tell me if you have. I I can kind of relate, but I think that maybe I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum than you, where I think I have a life blowing up tendency where I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> You should. I feel like we all should have that, actually. And I feel like we're conditioned to not have it. So it's very good that you do. So I I recognize the feeling, but I think instead of being on the safe and reasonable side of it, I would be just blowing it all up. Okay, well, I support that. (laughs) But okay, enough about me and my Pisces emotional nostalgia woes. Tell me about your, your low. Honestly... I am so relieved about finding out about my apartment that I can't even complain about anything. I can't even complain. Oh, good. Okay. No lows. No lows. All right. No lows. Good. I support you. I'm happy. I'm celebrating with you. Well, wait, we didn't even tell people what this episode is. It's a Just Us episode. And we're doing our Q3 listener Q&A. And it's Olivia's first Q&A since she joined. We did a getting to know you Q&A, but here we are. Yeah, I browsed some of the questions. Becca was nice enough to source them, and there's some good ones in here. So I thought we could start with books. I mean, I feel like that's a, a key key top for us, top being yeah, let's abbreviation do it. for topic, which I realized was not <laughs> necessarily clear. <laughs> I didn't get it, but I went with it anyway. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm in a weird mood. <laughs> It's Friday. It's okay. So am I. Clearly, I'm over here like, what is my life? Should I move to Europe? I was Googling, like, how do you move pets to the UK? Mm. Uh, anyway, it's a whole thing. Okay. So, Becca, tell me yes. your favorite book you've read this year so far. We'll start out with a big one. I couldn't pick one, so I picked three, as I see you did as well. So I copied you. It's a good, it's a good choice. So I would say one of my top three books this year is Every Summer After by Carly Fortune. It is the book that I just flew through, just ripped through the pages, needing to know what happened. I just felt so sucked in. Another one of my favorite books from this year is This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. It is a book that has stuck with me and I think about on a near daily basis since reading it two months ago. It was just so surprising to me, I guess. And I, I, I just am like holding it close to my heart even months after reading it. And then uh, the other one that rounds up my top three is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin, which I adored, is so fantastically written and felt so different. I feel like we've talked about being in a bit of a reading rut, and, and this just felt so different than anything I have read recently. That's the overlap on our list because that's one of my favorites, too. It's just so beautiful and I feel like it's universally beloved, which is very interesting for what it's about. It, yeah, it feels and so it just niche. Works. It's about two friends who are video game designers. It, it doesn't feel like it should be this universally beloved book. I shouldn't like it. I don't care. I don't give a shit about Me video games. 
I actively dislike video games. And yet I was like, oh my gosh, this is everything. It's, it's wonderful. So that made my list as well. And then my other two were Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson, which I know you guys did for Book Club right before I started. Yes. And Notes on an Execution, which I just read by Danya Kafka, which centers around a serial killer and then three women who have impacted his life or been impacted by his life. This one, I'm like a sucker for first lines. The first line of this book, anyway, I was just like, oh my gosh, this writing is phenomenal. I loved it. It was it was amazing. Okay. Here's a question that I've I've gotten a few times, so I wanted to talk about it. If slash when you publish your book, do you think you'll still review books? You know, Becca and I had this experience recently when we recorded in person. She went through all my Goodreads reviews and like compared them. And she was like, wow, you gave there was something that was very widely recognized as incredible that I was like three stars. It was probably Sally Rooney or something. Which Yeah, Olivia has a has a high bar, much higher than me. Well, yes, I think this is something that will change, has changed, has started to change since I've started writing and being on this book writing journey because you just have a different appreciation for how reviews feel (laughs) or would feel. Yeah. So I think I would still review them, but I just skew positive on everything. I also think that there's something really satisfying about the star rating on Goodreads, but it's not really accurate. (laughs) You know, it, it doesn't really sum up the experience of reading a book and how it can be so different to different people. So maybe I would just stop giving star ratings, but still review. Mm. I don't know. What about you? I'm going to mostly keep on as I do. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't tell you about the books that I don't like. Well, I tell you, Olivia, about the books I don't like. But I don't tell listeners. I get all the tea. You do. You get all of it. But I don't tell listeners about the books I DNF. I want to talk about books that I love. I think that save it for the group text. I love talking shit as much as the next person, but save it for your group text, save it for your book club. Not every book is good, but I don't think personally me as a person who has a platform needs to trash books because taste is so subjective. There are plenty of things that other people love that I did not love. And, you know, I also think on Goodreads, I've heard from so many authors how how crushing the experience of reading a truly eviscerating review can be. And I just, I feel no need. I will say there's a couple exceptions. I feel fine talking about how much I disliked where the crawdads sing. Like that woman maybe is implicated in a murder and has been on the New York Times bestseller list so long that I think she's probably just like swimming in a Scrooge McDuck pool of coins. I don't, I'm not worried about that one. Would, I'd probably say it to her face if I ever met her. And, you know, sometimes I get caught in, in weird situations where I post about reading a book on Instagram and then somebody follows up and I, I want to be truthful and I, I say that I DNF'd it. But I try to be strategic not the right word, but I, I, I do try to not post about something until I'm sure I'm going to like it because I don't want to then have to tell people that I didn't. Yeah, I I think that's that's very fair. I also think that for me, being on the podcast has changed how I feel about reviewing books in a big way because we're talking to authors and interviewing them. And I'm like, oh, even though even if I write a very mild like this wasn't for me type of review, it changes your perspective. So I get it. We'll see. Like I get the impulse hearing people talk shit about things you also dislike is fun, but I don't want to do that. Yeah, no, I would never want I want to talk shit if you if you know. If we ever get drinks offline, talk shit all day about books. <laughs> yeah, we'll save it for that. So this is a question I don't actually know the answer to for you. Do you ever reread books? Rarely. I, before the podcast, would, I don't know, I would say maybe like 5% of my reading would be rereading. But with the podcast, I feel like my pile of books is always at constant risk of toppling over. So it feels really hard to reread a book when I have so many books that I'm excited about that I haven't read. There are a few exceptions. And I will say also, as I've been writing my book, there have been a few books that I've went back and reread for research purposes. I think of you as somebody who's like a pretty nostalgic person. Are you a big like rereader or comfort reader? (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty nostalgic. 
for the same reasons as you, I don't reread a lot just because I'm almost like, oh, I would rather read a new thing. But also I'm sometimes afraid of ruining my memory of reading that Mm. book for the first time. But same situation as you, I have found myself wanting to reread books that have inspired me as I've been writing. So yeah, occasionally, but not, not frequently. Yeah, it's not the same for me as like I've rewatched 30 Rock unlimited times, but I don't have the same compulsion with books. And I know that some readers do. They have like a comfort book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always am amazed when people are like, I've reread that 10 times. I just, I don't understand how you get the same thing from it every time, but I, I love that it works for them. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about this question. What are some backlist books that you love? And this person said, I'm a library lover and I'm always looking for books that are about one year old. And I'm excited because I feel like I talk so much about new books and I'm excited to talk about books that I've loved that I haven't gotten to talk about in a while. Yeah, me too. Tell me about yours because of this list I can see in our outline, I've only read like one and a half. Oh, wow. So. Okay. Tell me about them. So I went further than a year back, but I I feel like I get messages pretty frequently that say that people have gotten back into reading because of the podcast. And so I'm like, oh, if you just got back into reading, let me tell you about what you missed five years ago. So (laughs) yeah, I don't know that these are like groundbreaking or like hidden gems necessarily. First one is The Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern. It is one of my all-time favorite books. Is this one of the ones you read? No, I haven't read this. (gasps) Oh my God, it's so magical. It is a love story about two magicians Okay, at this old-timey circus that has mystical properties in the early, either late 1800s or early 1900s. I get it. Amazing. I get the look on I your- I love magicians. Oh, I thought you were giving me a look that you were like, I'm never reading that. No, no. I love magicians. This is something we've actually discussed before. I have a love of magic. It is the most beautiful- book. Oh my God, it's incredible. Oh my gosh. How have I never heard of this? Okay. The second one (laughs) is the selection series, which is indirectly the reason that we started Bad on Paper in the first place. It is a dystopian YA series about, it's kind of like The Bachelor meets The Hunger Games, where teens from every district in the United States, one person from each district gets to go to win a chance to marry the prince. I mean, it's a great concept. It is so addictive. I (laughs) blew through these books. So if you're looking for another one, I've never tried. Oh my God. But I feel like I must. It's so good. (laughs) The third one is another series, A Discovery of Witches. Again, magic. And that is a four book series, I believe, about a witch and a vampire who fall in love. It is very elevated, I feel like. It is very, even though it is pretty soapy, it's a witches and vampires book. I feel like more so than Twilight, no offense, Olivia, it is a little bit more high minded where she's a professor. And so, you know, I would agree with that. It has a lot to do with like alchemy and Shakespearean history and things like that. So it's like a good read, even though it's like witches and vampires. Is this one of the ones you read? I have read the first book in this series. Yes, I specifically read it during fall. And you didn't feel compelled. I did really like the first one, though. I enjoyed it. My fourth recommendation is A Million Junes by Emily Henry. And I feel like most people think of Beach Read as Emily Henry's first book, and it's not. She used to write YA fiction before that. And this is, it's like kind of like a lightly magical realism um, YA book. It is so beautiful. We did it as a book club book early on in the podcast. So if you read it, we do have an episode discussing it highly recommend. Very, very different. Like go into it with a completely open mind because it is very different than any of the romances that Emily Henry has written since then. I love the title, knowing nothing about it. So great. But go on. And then the last one is Tell Me Lies by Carol Levering, which I'm recommending because it is becoming a TV show and the TV show comes out in September. So if you want to read it in advance, I like to read the book first um, before you watch it. It is about a toxic relationship. It's about gaslighting. 
it's about a girl who falls in love with this guy in college, and then he kind of like strings her along and gaslights her for years. It is, look, it is very triggering. However, I found it to be so incredibly cathartic. I think everyone has a Steven. Everyone has a Steven. <laughs> I, I hope you, so. I hope yes. for everyone's sake that you don't have a Steven, but um, I do. And oh my God, this book was so cathartic to read. I just listened to it and it's very good. Oh yeah, I forgot that you did. Yeah. It, everyone does have a Steven, it's right. Oof. You're lucky if you don't. Mine are all books I read last year. I think a few of them came out last year, but some of them might have come out before. Most of these are thrillers or mysteries. So the first one is The Push. This obviously I know a bunch of people loved came out last year. To me, this was like the perfect thriller. I loved everything about it. And my favorite part about it is that I read the last page and I had to sit there for a second and just like, I actually think I read this at night in one sitting, basically, in my oh, room. Man. And I read the paperback version of it before I had my Kindle. And I literally had to turn on my light because the last sentence gave me the chills so bad. I was so scared. It just, like, hit me right in the gut. But also, I think it's a really interesting commentary on the fears that people have about becoming a parent, which I relate to because I'm genuinely terrified of having children. I know that Grace loved that one, too. And she really wanted it to be a book club pick, but she was like, it can't be. It has literally every trigger warning. Yes, it's it could be very traumatic for some people to read. And the next one is Paper Palace, which was also a huge book last year, I believe. I just had the most magical reading experience with this one. I read it on the beach in one sitting. I just thought it was really beautiful. And I also liked that it left you guessing a little bit. Are you noticing a pattern here? <laughs> I guess I just like books that let you kind of fill in the blanks in your own brain a little bit. Did you read this one, Becca? I didn't. I heard oh, okay. Interesting. super mixed feedback about it. Yeah, it's a little bit divisive. Like I heard some people say they loved it and some people said they hated it. Yeah, it's I get both sides of it. The characters are not likable at all, at all. Okay, let's see. The rest are just thrillers I really enjoyed. The one, that one was made into a Netflix TV show, I think. I think I might have talked about that one on here. It's about a dating website that uses your DNA to match you with other people. Super quick read, The Whisper Man, another great thriller that absolutely terrified me. And then a YA thriller mystery, Good Girl's Guide to Murder, that I absolutely blew through. I really liked this one. And finally, Room, which is very old. Did you ever read Room? I did read Room. That's the only overlap yeah. that we have of ones that I've read. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, yeah, Room, gosh, it's about a, a woman who's held, also very disturbing, <laughs> who is kidnapped. Room is something you kind of have to read to experience it. It's also a movie with Brie Larson, but I thought it was really creative and interesting and emotional. So I love all of those. If you like thrillers, you might like any of them. <laughs> Let's take an ad break. Today's episode is sponsored by Pros, the world's most personalized hair care. Olivia, I feel like people want to hear from you because I've been raving about this product nonstop for the past two years. I just ordered new bottles, my custom formula, shampoo and conditioner. I'm a lifer with this brand. I'm just so happy with the products, but tell us what you think because you're newer to this. Okay, so spoiler, if you have not been listening for a while, I absolutely love my pros. But since I've been traveling and living out of a carry-on suitcase for the past two weeks, I've now gone through that inevitable period of just intensely regretting that I didn't make room in my toiletries plastic bag for my pro shampoo and conditioner. It is just that good. And I've also loved the fact that whenever I post a photo on Instagram now where I'm having a good hair day, I get questions that are like, oh my gosh, is this is this the pros? Is the pros doing that? And I am happy to report that it definitely is. <laughs> it absolutely is. So I hope our listeners are excited to try pros too. Here's how it works. You take their online quiz and answer questions about your hair and your hair goals. And you get to pick your scent. Seriously, go for the Corsica scent. It is the best. It is. And also the quiz is like really interesting. It's so comprehensive. It asks you about a lot of less expected factors too. Like it asks you about your diet and your exercise routine and your zip code so they can take into account environmental factors. Like it goes deep. 
It really does. And it's also risk-free. So if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash BOP. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash BOP for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Let's take some career questions. So this person said that they are struggling with work from home, both making time for and prioritizing creative work and their day job. And they asked if we have any advice. Oof, this is a big question. Do you have any advice off the top of your head, Becca? I do. I mean, I think my first piece of advice, which is not advice, is to cut themselves some slack. It sounds like they're doing two different things. They have a day job and are trying to do something creative. And I feel like personally, I go through ebbs and flows where I can do both and other times where it's much harder. So giving yourself some some grace there. But the other thing that I would suggest is I think having rituals, which sounds very woo-woo, but doesn't need to be, around when you do certain things, like just the environmental factors can help click your brain into it. So like for me, my writing time, unless I'm traveling, if I can help it, my writing time is 9.30 to 11.30 in the morning and I sit at my dining room table and I have a cup of iced coffee and a water. My brain knows that that's when it's time to write. Today, for instance, I had to run a bunch of errands because I'm going out of town tomorrow and I'm not going to be able to write till the afternoon and it's going to be much harder. So I think just as much as you can build rituals around when you do things and maybe for you, you go to your favorite coffee shop on Saturday mornings and that's when you do your creative work or maybe you go into a different room. It could be as simple or as fancy as you want it to be, but I think having those things really helps. I know Hannah Ornstein, who is a friend and she's also an author She has a day job working for Elite Daily, and then she also writes novels. And I know for her, like her ritual is that every Saturday morning, she writes for three to four hours. She says no to any brunch invitation unless it is best friend's birthday level. (laughs) And it's just that that is what she does. Like, I think sometimes taking choice out of it is really helpful and being I do this every week at this time or every day at this time. Yeah, I love that. And To that point, I would also say to give yourself time to figure out what schedule and what routines work best for you. I know that when I first started writing, I went through this phase where I was like, I'm going to write in bed every night (laughs) before I go to sleep. That's weird. And that was the worst. It was was weird and it was the worst idea ever. And so I eventually figured out that it had to be, you know, first thing in the morning before emails start coming in, basically. And now I just know that that's the only time that it's going to work. So I prioritize it. But I mean, I don't think everyone knows that instinctively right away. So, you know, experiment a little bit, I guess. Okay, Becca, here's a question for you. What do you enjoy more, books or audio and TV projects? Because you're always doing one million things and you are, what is that term? Renaissance woman? Is that right? I'm a Jill of all trades. I'm a Renaissance woman. I love that. I'm very complimented (laughs) by that. Yeah, it is intended to be a major compliment. So good. This is a very complicated question for me to answer. I think that I get more enjoyment out of writing audio or TV projects because it is shorter, it's collaborative, and it's easier to hold in my brain. I think I will get more satisfaction retroactively, like looking back and like be more proud of writing a book. I also think that I went about the book process wrong just from a mental attitude perspective. And I was talking about this with somebody yesterday and I was saying it was just so hard for me to trust in the process that it would get better. And so it was so nerve wracking and so almost toxic, like my my inner monologue and like my thoughts to myself were so toxic about it. And having seen how much the book improved from the first to the second draft and the second to the third draft, I feel like when I do this the next time, because even though it, it was has been really rocky, I'm going to do it again. I feel like I will just be able to be a little lighter with it because I'll know that it will get better. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a great mindset to have. And I feel like you should be super proud of all of the above. This is 
so hypocritical for me to use this analogy because I've never had a child. I do think there's something about writing a book that is like selective amnesia of like childbirth where it's terrible, but then afterwards you are like, I loved it. So I always question when authors are like, (laughs) it was just a magical process. And I'm like, was it? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if magical is the word I would use. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if I can aspire to magical, but I think I can definitely bring it up at least 50% from where it was in terms of the slog and self-talk game that I was playing. Well, that's a win. Yeah, that's a win. That's definitely a win. That's a win. Hey, Olivia, as a novice writer, how do you find, quote, your voice? That is a great question. How do you find your voice, Becca? No, I mean, okay, I guess I'll answer this by saying that I've been writing for a long time, personal essays and stuff, and it always felt very easy to find my voice because it just came naturally that I would write the way things are presented in my head about my own life, about what's going on, about how I feel about myself or whatever. And so I was a little bit intimidated with the prospect of writing a book because I didn't know how to access that if I was writing about someone else's experience, you know, a fictional character. Uh, But I found that inevitably the writing sort of became infused with my own experiences anyway. So that made it easy, I guess. I don't know if that answers the question. But yeah, I guess I just let myself imagine being in those scenarios. And then I paired that with things that have actually happened to me, feelings I have about certain subjects. And it just kind of happened. I don't know. I don't know if I'm answering this correctly. What about you? Tell me. Tell me your answer. I think don't worry about it. (laughs) I think if you are saying this because you have written something and the feedback has been, this has no voice or point of view, then worry about it. Right. But at the beginning, I think your expectation should be that if you're going to write something shitty, I wrote a shitty first draft. Same. Whatever you vomit out is going to be shitty. And just accept that and know that that's true for everyone. And then polish it, make it better, and hopefully your voice comes through. And if you get to the end and you're like, wow, this is the world's most generic thing, then, then maybe you have to worry about voice. But I think if you're... If you're expecting to sit down at the keyboard, you're Carrie and Sex in the City. It's like, and I had to wonder. And you, you just, you know, it, it like has her voice. Like, I, I don't know. That doesn't happen for me. That's what I can say. So write it, polish it. Then when you get to the end, worry, you can worry about voice if it doesn't naturally have your voice. That's good advice, I think. So how, how do you answer the question, what do you do for work? I don't know if I know this about you. Oh, it really depends. If I... Don't really if it's like a formality where somebody's asking and I don't really care and I'm I'm not actually looking to like build a relationship with them. I usually just say marketing consultant because it's easier and like nobody really has a lot of follow up questions or finds that super interesting. <laughs> if I'm earnestly trying to get to know somebody, I probably will give you like a long spiel and, and tell you how complicated it is. And it's like kind of self-depreciating. And I'm like, I don't know what I do like. I'm a marketing consultant. I have a podcast. I'm writing a book and like I've done some audio things. Yeah, I find that a very loaded question for myself because I don't feel yeah. I don't feel like I can claim author. Podcast host, I will say mm. sometimes, but that's not where the majority of my money comes from. So it feels slightly dishonest to say that as like just the full stop answer to the question. So, yeah. How do you answer it? I do a very similar thing. In most situations, I say I'm a freelance writer and then if I'm expanding on that for whatever reason, usually it will be the same self-deprecating like, well, and sometimes I do content creation or like influencer stuff. And then I like cringe and like hunch over and I'm like, but don't judge me. So I know what this really is, is a lesson to us that we need to be confident in our successful, interesting careers. <laughs> but I would like to write a book so I can be like, I'm an author or I'm a writer full stop. Yes. That would be great. Olivia, I feel like We got so many travel questions, and a lot of them were very specifically for you. Okay. Somebody wants to know, how do you budget for travel? Because they said all your trips look amazing. Let me preface all of these questions by saying that this year is a very specific type of year for me. I have never in my life traveled this much. Not even when I was actually living abroad did I travel as much as I'm traveling this year. It was my goal this year, so I've really like built everything around that. And Having said that, 
basically we've cut back in all other spending in our life to make room for the travel. But in terms of putting aside a certain amount every month for it, that's not really how it's worked, if that makes sense. So you're trying to control your expenses in all the other areas to allow for it, as opposed to being like, I have to save up X amount of dollars per month for the trip. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if that's the smartest way, but it's it's worked so far. So obviously I'm spending a lot more money than I have other years, but it's been worth it for me. Somebody wanted to know more about why you are traveling so much this year. Is that something you're comfortable talking about? Sure. Um, okay. So I think this is, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, one reason is just that I had this sort of sense after, I don't know if we can say after the pandemic, but I just, you know, we were home for so long that I just craved traveling and I felt like we lost that time. And when you're kind of in the end of your twenties, you just have the sense of like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. The other reason is that I, I feel more strange about this by the day, to be honest, but I, I'm like 75% sure I want to have children. So I feel like the walls are closing in a little bit with that. And I just want to make sure I travel as much as possible before that, should I get to that point. And yeah, so there's been some other things. The reason that we were in England was I we had to go to a wedding and then I sort of built some stuff around that. And then I my brother's only living in Alaska for another year and I wanted to make sure I saw him. So it's kind of just all snowballed into being a significant amount of travel that I'm very thankful for, but it's not exactly typical of my life. Although I will say the thing about traveling so much is it is addictive and so now at the end of every trip, I'm like, oh my God, where am I going next? And yeah, so that's that's where we are. This next question, I really like. Becca, are you and I planning a trip together? <laughs> so we've said that we need to. We have taken absolutely zero steps to make that happen. So Olivia suggested that we take a trip in January together to celebrate the year anniversary of me asking her to be my podcast co-host. And I really like that idea. I really like the idea of having somewhere warm to go in January, but fully haven't even discussed where. I think we're playing a little bit of a game of chicken where I think we're both hoping the other person will come up with an idea. I think it's going to happen, but we've both been really busy. So it's just a matter of planning it, I think. But I'm envisioning it as a very celebratory trip of life. Yeah, I'm also a more last minute person. Mm -hmm. Too. Not that I want to plan it the week before, but it's August right now. January feels pretty far away to me. It does. It really does. So I think it will happen. Stay tuned for this. I feel like it would be really fun. And yeah, hopefully we can celebrate book stuff there too. We'll see. This is a very specific question. As a follow-up. Well, I think this is a follow-up. So I, to the, when we were joking that we were going to take a road trip to Toronto. Yeah. Because I've never been to Canada. So somebody said, where would you visit in Canada and why? And they said that they're Canadian and curious. I like that they signed off Canadian and curious. I, I feel like you should tell us Canadian and curious. Have you been to Canada, Olivia? <laughs> I've been to Toronto once. And then I have been to randomly, I've been to Newfoundland another time. on Both mm. on press trips, actually, when I had my job. And yeah, it was lovely. Very nice people. But beyond that, I... Not really familiar. Vancouver seems nice. Very expensive, I hear. So my answer to this, where I most want to go, I have a hard time seeing being my first trip to Canada, but never know. I really want to go to Banff. I think Banff looks awesome. I most want to go there. I don't really see myself getting my act together to like plan that trip unless somebody else does it for me. Most likely, I do want to go to Toronto. I've also heard that Montreal is, is like beautiful. Ah, yes. That is a great answer. I have heard Montreal is wonderful and not that far. Not that far. At all. I also want to go to Vancouver. I don't know why I haven't been to Canada. It seems so vast and overwhelming. I don't want to go to Canada for our January trip. That doesn't seem like the right time of year. I don't think that would be good at all. But No. Maybe next summer that could be like our second trip. You know, someone asked me if I was Canadian when I was traveling and I felt kind of guilty. Like, I was like, oh, no, I am American. Like, I don't want to take this from them. Like, I feel like Canadians are so much nicer. 
There is something Canadian seeming about you. Wow. Really? I mean that as a compliment. I don't know if it came across as a compliment. This is I've I've never been more curious as to why, but I, I like it. Is it because I'm nice? Yeah. <laughs> am I nice? I'm not nice. What am I talking about? I'll take it. It's because you're nice and like also a little bit because of your pattern of speaking. Should we hit some podcast questions? Let's. I loved these. I saw a few of them in the Facebook group. Olivia, what's been the high and low since joining the podcast? The high is I think I've become much more confident in myself. That's a big high. I, I feel like I've just yeah. gotten, I've gotten better about trusting myself in terms of my opinions and how I speak. And the low, hmm, how do I want to answer this? Just say it. Is it me? <laughs> it is Becca. No. Okay. The low is, I'll just be totally honest. The low is that when it first was announced, I looked up some of the feedback and I should not have done this online, but naturally, you know, not everyone's for everyone. So there were some things that kind of hurt my feelings, but ultimately that really kind of was good for me in the end because I've I've learned that there's been so much more positive than negative and you know it's okay if not not everyone likes you and it's made me kind of more resilient for it so so yeah it's it's been a, a excellent amazing better than I could have ever hoped for experience all in all and I can't wait to keep doing it if you if you if you keep me around Becca of course now I do sound Canadian <laughs> can I answer I don't know if that was specifically aimed for you. Yes. I was about to ask you because I'd be very interested to hear your sort of more cohesive four-year answer to this. Oh, I was going to do it since Olivia joined. Okay. You want to do both? No. Okay. No. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, well, tell me since I joined. Yeah. So since you joined, I feel like the high has been how seamless it was. I don't know. I think I just anticipated it being much harder. I I thought I anticipated it being rockier, finding our chemistry, figuring it out. I also feel like I was really afraid that a lot of people were going to leave because they'd come for grace and, and that didn't come to fruition. And so my high is just how seamless it's been. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. My low is that we have lost so many advertisers over the past (laughs) two months. And I don't know why necessarily. I I don't know if it's because of just the economy in general. I know like retail is soft in summer, maybe because Grace just has such recommendation power that we're not converting as well. I honestly don't know. And that is scary. And... Mm -hmm. It's also really frustrating because like we don't really get good answers as to why either. Right. Yeah. This was kind of also a low for me that I briefly forgot about, but I'm sorry. I did feel kind of like guilty. <laughs> Inevitably, you're like, oh, like, is there something I could do better or is there a way I could be more? I don't know. Anyway, I agree. I feel like this is kind of a similar question, but I'm curious if you have a different answer. What is the best slash worst part of hosting a podcast? I would say the best is the listeners like people are so incredibly warm and kind and supportive and it's been really surprising and kind of remarkable in a different way that I think like Instagram followers are or anything like that so shout out to all of you the worst for me I feel like I leave every (laughs) recording where I'm like oh I wish I would have said this differently like I don't so much question things the way I used to where I'm like, oh my gosh, is someone going to think X, Y, Z about me because I said this, but I'm like, oh, I wish I could have said that more eloquently or I would have mentioned this or whatever. I feel like that gets easier over time. What about you? I feel like the best is the community, but I feel like it's for a slightly different reason than you said. Like, I just, I think it's so cool to have built this community of people who are as into books as I am and not everyone has like the same book taste, but like generally likes like the similar type of books and like wants to talk about books. Like that's so cool. I just feel like offline, much fewer of my IRL friends read in the same way that I do or get as excited as I do, or like they read, but they read different types of books than I do. So I've just always been such a big reader and to have a group of people who are so like-minded about it is just so cool. Yeah, I love that as well. The worst... It sucks sometimes that 
I mean, consistency is so key. And so like there's weeks when you have a really busy week and you're like, I need to squeeze this in because I don't like for the most part recording really far in advance because I post on Instagram. It like feels out of time and people are like, yeah, but I know that that happened like four weeks ago. So I feel like just when you have a really busy week, just the need that it needs to happen weekly is sometimes really hard. Another best part of hosting a podcast that kind of surprised me was when I started this, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to share as openly about some things as I do on Instagram, just because it's so much easier to vocalize feelings in words and writing than it is to say them out loud. Um, But anytime I've shared anything that's even remotely a little bit vulnerable or a little bit personal, I without fail have gotten messages from people that say, thanks for saying this, or I relate to this, or I thought I was the only one. And I didn't know if that would translate because obviously this was like a pre, you know, existing group of listeners and people. But I guess this just goes back to people being really supportive, but it's just been really, really kind of life affirming and I've enjoyed it a lot. So I wanted to add that. (laughs) Let's take an ad break. So the weather here has been 8 billion degrees. That's the official temperature reading in New York City today. And one of the items in my closet that I have found myself reaching for again and again is my Tradlands Nico linen dress. I love a linen dress. I feel like it's nice and breathable. I don't have to worry if it gets a little wrinkled because that's part of the look. And I feel like this dress is just so cute. You know, every single time I wear my chalet dress offline or on my Instagram, I keep getting so many compliments on it. And I don't blame them. That's not very Canadian of you. (laughs) I know. I know. It's true. I really need to lean into this Canadian identity. Anyway. Okay. (laughs) So... So everyone knows I have the chalet dress from Chadlands, and I just love everything that this brand is about. They focus on slow fashion and pieces that are really made to last, and they have sizing that goes up to a 5X, which is really, really, really hard to find in brands that make more sustainable pieces. And I'm getting very excited for fall, uh, not just because I can't wait to stop sweating, but also because Chadlands has some very cute sweaters that I'm ready to check out. The pieces are a little bit more of an investment, but I feel like the shapes are really timeless and they're easy to dress up or down. And personally, I see myself being able to wear my Tradlands pieces for years to come. And as I get older, I just want to invest in quality over quantity and just buy fewer fast fashion pieces that I'm not going to want to wear in six months. Like, I think this is just theoretical, but like you or your mom or your grandma could all look great in the same Tradlands dress. Like they're very timeless. I totally agree. If you've been wanting to check out Tradlands, we have a special code for you for 20% off. Go to tradlands.com slash badonpaper, all one word, and use code badonpaper20 for 20% off. Again, that's tradlands.com slash badonpaper and code badonpaper20 for 20% off your order. All right, here we are at the miscellaneous bucket. I love this first question so very much. I Can I ask you first? Please. What is something that you never thought was attainable that you have now? The first draft of a book. Well, I, I have the third draft of a book too, but I just, I didn't consider myself a creative person for so long. And I always kind of vaguely knew I wanted to write a book, but I just didn't see it as something I could do. And I feel very proud of myself in a way that I don't think I have properly celebrated that I'm I'm doing it. You are. You should celebrate. And also, I have to tell you, it astounds me that you don't think that you're a creative person. Like, that's just it blows my mind. I do think that I'm a creative person now, but I didn't think that I was a creative person for a very long time. Like I just growing up, I was like always really good at math. My first job was in consulting. I worked in marketing and I just like I think I just had this idea that you couldn't be both an analytical and creative person. It was one or the other. You could be left brained or right brained. And I just I don't know. I just thought that I wasn't a creative person. Huh. Well, I'm really proud of you and happy for you. What's your answer? I have two. The first one is feeling like neutral slash indifferent about my height. I've talked about this before, but I cannot explain to you how being taller than everyone else my entire life felt like such a massive thing that would never leave my like mind ever. So to now be an adult and it not cross my mind a million times a day is truly unbelievable to me some days. And thank God, honestly. And the second one is just 
working for myself, working from anywhere, writing a book because I want to, traveling and working. I just, I didn't think it was ever on the table for some reason. I just thought that's for other people. That's for cooler people. That's for smarter people. And um, yeah, here I am. So I loved this question. I, I think we should ask this on Instagram to everyone. I would love to hear people's stories. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, now to another hard-hitting question. Introspective, thoughtful, emotional. Becca, mm-hmm. can we get any updates on your seltzer water influencer journey? Any new favorites? Any new sponsorships? Please tell us. You know, it's at a standstill. <laughs> I'm putting no effort into it. I'm drinking a lot of seltzer. I'm putting no effort into acquiring seltzer sponsors. I was hoping that this was the field of dreams, and if I built it, they would come. Like, if they saw my recycling they would come. Where are you guys? Polar, as a small family-owned Massachusetts business, why have you not realized that I am the key to your, to your business operation? This is a direct plea to Polar. This is a direct plea. <laughs> so it's not going great. It's a long game. Any new favorites? Yes. So first of all, I've become completely addicted oh. to Spindrift Pineapple Seltzer, which is not yeah. a... It's not a light seltzer, meaning like it's very flavorful. It's so good. Hmm. Sounds good. I also got really into this seltzer called Nixie, and they have this peach iced tea flavor, and it was really good. Like it tastes like less sweet diet peach snapple, but carbonated. Oh. And um, it's really good, but it's caffeinated. And I found myself having like so much weird anxiety about when I could and couldn't have it. Because it was like the only seltzer I had in the house. But then it was like 3 p.m. And I was like, no, I can't have it. I'm going to be up all night. I I don't know how much caffeine it has in it. So like maybe I was just overthinking it. (laughs) It sounds really good. Um, Oh, it's delicious. I think if I buy it again, I just need to buy that plus something that isn't caffeinated so that I have both in the house. Because I was really doing some weird mental gymnastics, devoting way too much time (laughs) thinking about when and when I could not have the seltzer. I feel like that's actually just something that happens when you hit a certain age. You're suddenly always like calculating caffeine intake and time. Whereas when I was younger, I was like, yeah, I'm going to have a cappuccino at 8.30 p.m. and it will not affect me at all. (laughs) It's just this constant mental gymnastics. Yeah, I I get it. (sighs) Um, what have you each influenced the other to do or buy and was it worth the hype? I will start because it's on my mind right now. You have influenced me to take a solo trip at some point in the near future because when I went to Portugal, you said you went there on a solo trip, right? Oh, I did. I was, I was wondering why I influenced you to do this because I generally don't love traveling by myself. (laughs) Okay, well, you influenced me in a roundabout way anyway, because when I was in Portugal, though I was not alone, I kept thinking about how wonderful of an experience that would be, although it does scare me a little. So I think I'm I'm I really want to go to Scotland on a solo trip at some point. And I'm thinking like as I finish up some book stuff towards the end of the year, that it would be a nice like sort of celebration work for a week in a rainy cafe anyway okay have I influenced you at all (laughs) yes you've specifically influenced me to buy the yellow Bowden smocked midi dress and it's like one of my favorites so definitely worth the hype yay love it my answer was a little more superficial than yours (laughs) no it's okay that's a great answer it's a great dress I got to know, Olivia, I got to know, based on what you wrote in the outline for this, what is your go-to fun fact for an icebreaker activity? Okay, so I read this question wrong, which is why my answer is wrong. So I don't think it fits. I thought this was, what is your favorite icebreaker activity? This says, what is your favorite fun fact? Got it. Different. I'll I'll give you the fun fact, though. I placed first in a figure skating competition when I was eight or nine. And I did so to the song Complicated by Avril Lavigne. And there is video footage of it somewhere. And everyone else in my age group did like Disney songs. And I was like, I'm going out here with this emo banger as a nine-year-old in a blue velvet dress. And I'm going to beat you all. And guess what? I did. (laughs) So that's it. I am obsessed with this fun fact. (laughs) 
Obsessed. I still, I still know some of the moves. It's actually kind of haunting. Anyway, what about you? I have two depending on the spiciness of of the other people I'm breaking ice with. Like if it's Can a we very do the spicy one. Well, I was going to do the non-spicy one first. Okay. Oh, you're going to do both. Okay. Even better. Go. Yeah. Yeah. So the non-spicy one would be I have a podcast if I was in like a corporate setting of like people who are going to be like, I have two dogs and their names are blah and blah. Or like, you know, like I don't want to be like, let me tell you about this weird thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, let me talk about figure skating. <laughs> okay. If it's a spicy. if it's a spicier crowd of like friends and like-minded people, it would be that when I was, when I was, I think I was also eight years old. John Stamos kissed my hand at a Beach Boys concert. Oh my gosh. I just, <laughs> sorry. I just stood here in like shock for a solid like three seconds because the amount of different factors my brain had to process in that statement. I was like, yeah. kissed your hand, John Stamos. Also Beach Boys. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I think he was the guest on tour with the Beach Boys while one of the Beach Boys was in rehab for many years. And he would tour that with them. That makes no sense. And yet. And don't you remember the Beach Boys were always on Full House? No, but Multiple I times. You. There was like one episode where they came and they like played in the living room. There was another when they <laughs> all went to a Beach Boys concert in Hawaii and they played Kokomo. Anyway, John Stamos toured with the Beach Boys at some point in the 90s. I was there and it was my mom and her best friend and then me and my best friend. And we were the only people there who were under 30. We were like eight. And so they let us go right up to the stage because we were just little kids and they didn't care. We were in the pit between like the front row and the stage. Just me and my friend. He like came to the end of the stage and he like kissed both of our hands. I think he also gave us a drumstick. Both both of us one of the oh. drumsticks. Anyway. Of course. Naturally. That's amazing. Didn't wash man. my hand for a week. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that story. Oh gosh, okay. This next question, God, tell me all of your answers because, okay, the question is, what's the best advice for someone who's dreading the idea of turning 30? I'm 29 and a half, so this really hits home. Although I am really looking forward to my 30s, but also terrified. I didn't realize that you were dreading turning 30. I guess. I'm I'm not. I'm not. That's the oh. wrong way to put it. I just, I just feel like for the first time in my life, all of my choices it's not like, oh, I'll decide this later. It's like, okay, well, I have how many years to have kids or not or move or not. I don't know. It just feels more consequential somehow. But I still am curious to hear your answer. I guess I would say first, you can't stop it. Well, I guess unless you die, which doesn't seem like a better option. <laughs> so better get on board. You know, you can't stop. You can't That's stop true. the clock. So like you would be miserable about it and just have like a miserable year being 29 or however old this person is, or you can just accept it. You don't have a lot of options. There isn't a good option of just being like, I will not turn 30. I guess you could lie about it. This is the youngest you'll ever be. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The second less morbid answer is I don't, it's not a big deal. Like I have not noticed a big change in my body. I have noticed a big change in the way that caffeine and alcohol affect me though I'm not like (laughs) creaky and I'm not oh I can't move in the same way or do the same exercise things I mean I was never a triathlete so maybe if you are you will see like a decline in your body like sure I have some gray hairs but it's like it's fine I haven't I'm too lazy to dye them but I know that I could I got Botox in my face it has definitely worn off but I'm like the option is available if you're worried about how you look and looking old I don't know I think maybe that's more in your 40s? I don't know. Like it's it's not you don't become a crone overnight. On the positive side, for and I think this is true for most people, it's, it's I'm speaking for myself. I make more money, I'm more financially secure and independent than I have been at any previous point in my life. I can do cool things like going to see Harry Styles in Paris because I have more disposable the coolest income. Thing. So like, yeah, you could just be an adult is cool. You can spend your money on things that you're eight-year-old self would think is awesome. I love that. And then I'm more interesting. Just the longer you live, the more interesting you get if you're if you're living your life right. And if you're not, I don't know, make a list of things you want to do in your 30s. And I don't know, I think that would be cool to have a list of, hey, I'm not satisfied with where I am and work your way through that. Like it's an opportunity. Was that helpful? I love that. Yeah, it, wa- it was helpful, I think. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm excited for my 30s, and you made me more excited. So there we go. Should we leave it on this one very important question? I'm actually surprised that this topic has not come up more regularly in the podcast. (laughs) What are your current favorite candles? I'm about to disappoint everyone because I really don't have any right now. I I think I've been traveling too much where I haven't been like in the candle mood. Also, I'm much more of a fall winter candle person. Got it. If you missed it. So I'll leave this one to you. If you missed it, like Olivia is a Bath and Body Works candle freak. (laughs) I am a freak. It's true. No, like you're a freak for the candles. Like you love them. Yeah, both. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I do love them. I don't know that I have like a new answer, like any like real new discoveries, but I also haven't been burning candles because it's been 95 degrees in my apartment. Right now, I'm really into the hotel lobby candles. I really like the original scent one that's a light pink container. And then I really like the Miami one, which is more of like a spring summery scent to me. I loved the pride one too. I thought that was really juicy and delicious. I really like the the glass and I'll, I'll burn it. Like I'll use it. But if I was picking, like I would pick the either the original or the Miami over that. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Shall we get out of here and get into some end matter? Yes. Tell me your obsession this week. Oh my God, Olivia. It is deep. So (laughs) I got really into tabs. It sounds like drugs. It does sound like Is that a word for drugs? Or am I just making this up as someone who has very little drug? knowledge it's not it's like school supplies it's even um, better it's like the little tabby guys that you put on on pages i wish you could see becca holding the tabs on zoom right now looking just the most joyful i've ever seen her i will be honest so i i bought the tabs so i see people on book talk especially using tabs and like tabbing their books It just looks really pleasing. And then I saw Carly Fortune on Instagram shared a photo of the draft of her book and she'd put tabs all over it. And I was like, I want tabs. So I bought tabs. I bought this like six pack on Amazon and there's so many cool colors. I'm so into it. I tabbed my draft of my book. I will tell you, I don't think it was useful. Like I don't actually know that it's helped the process. It looks great. It looks great. But was it satisfying? It was so satisfying. I tagged, you know, there's like a character that I need to fix. And then they used a different color for like where I need to like make things funnier or like a different color for like where I need better physical descriptions. But like overall, it's not super helpful. But I did then. um, So I reread Book Lovers by Emily Henry. And um, I put tabs in it. And I think this will be really useful because I put tabs I used one color for emotional scenes. I used a different color for just like details I really liked. And then I used another tab for steamy scenes because like my book doesn't have any steamy scenes in it but I think my second book will and I was oh and then it'll just be tabbed so that in future I could just flip right to it smart you've influenced me I'm gonna buy these I don't know what I'm gonna do with them but I want to put them on everything like I'm about to become a tiktok teen book talker I'd like I sound like a narc (laughs) I'm on tiktok now so we can be on TikTok together. So I like, next time I see you in real life, I need you to be my granddaughter. And like, I need you to teach me how to make a video. I'm still learning. It's, it's a little embarrassing. I, you know what I heard the other day that only millennials do the thing where you zoom in when you're filming yourself talking like on dramatic points. And I was like, oh my God, I do that without even thinking about it. And didn't even know it was uncool, but I guess it is. So that's depressing. Anyway, yes, I will. I will show you my, what I know. I will pass along my knowledge. (laughs) Tell me what you're obsessed with. My obsession is very quick, but it's the Airfly Pro tool, which allows you to use your wireless headphones on planes because it creates like a Wi-Fi network with the screen in the back of the seat. So you don't have any cord and it's very convenient. But honestly, the best part is that I sat in an aisle seat this past flight. And whenever people had to get up to go to the bathroom, I could just leave my headphones on. I didn't have to unplug everything. So they didn't like have to go through me. I got a compliment from the nice man sitting next to me. He was like, wow, I've never seen that tool before. Yeah. Anyway, credit goes to Caroline from G Thanks Just Bought It because she influenced me. But game changer. Highly suggest. Okay. What about reading? You were gone for two weeks. You only read one book. I know. I we were moving around so much that I really just didn't 
didn't read that much. So my reading read, except for notes on an execution, which is incredible. I already talked about it, so I won't talk about it again. But the reading rut continues. But uh, Man. I think I'm getting out of it. Anyway, it's all you. Books are all you this week. So tell me. I got four. Let's do it. First, I read Nora Goes Off Script by Annabelle Monahan. This is a famous person, normal person romance about basically a suburban mom who writes Hallmark movies. And she writes this movie, a kind of like Brad Pitt-esque A-list celebrity is starring in it. And then after the movie wraps, he's like, I'll pay you $1,000 a day if I can stay here. And she's like really hard up for money. And, and so she like agrees. He ends up staying in this not quite guest house behind her house for a week and they fall in love. And it's it was great. It was really good. The first 50 pages were really boring to me. I did not think that I was going to like it. So I would just say if you check this out, make sure to give it more than 50 pages because I was underwhelmed. But it was a fast read. Like it wasn't like a slog for the first 50 pages. So I made it. But if I hadn't heard so many good reviews from people, I would have like put it down. Second is our book club pick for August. I read You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by Akweke Amezi. So this is a romance. It is not your average romance. It is about a young widow who uh, her husband passed away five years ago in a tragic car accident, and she decides to get back into the dating pool. She ends up going to she's, – she's kind of like casually dating this guy, and she goes with him to the island where he's from. It's not named. I was picturing Jamaica. She ends up falling in love with his father. It is really beautiful – it is really lush. The descriptions of the island and the food are incredible. It has a really strong point of view. Like, it has a lot to say about grief. It's not just about the relationship. It is going to be so freaking controversial as a book club pick, and I'm so excited to discuss it. So excited to read this. I'm so excited. So read that. And then I read The Counselors by Jessica Goodman. So this is a YA thriller about a murder that happens at a summer camp. And if you're like a non-scary, low-stakes mystery person. Highly recommend. This would be great by a pool. And then the thing that possibly I'm most excited about is last night I started this book called Killers of a Certain Age by Deanna Rayborn. And it comes out September 6th. And apparently she's written a bunch of like mystery series. When I posted on, on Instagram, I got a lot of people being like, oh, I loved her, like this series that she did or whatever. It is about a group of assassins who are 60-year-old women. Oh, my God. Amazing. And they uh, retire, but then they realize that then somebody in the organization that they work for is trying to kill them, so then they have to, like, go on the run. Oh, my God. It is... It reminds me of, like, Finley Donovan, and it's like, it's like a comedy murder mystery type thing. It is so funny and so smart. And it's just so interesting and unexpected because they're 60-year-old women. So they're, they're talking about like intarsia knitting and then they're also like, and killing people. <laughs> oh, that sounds so good. I am straight up obsessed with it. I'm like halfway through. I am straight up obsessed. Amazing. So that is what we have for you this week. Again, we are reading You Made a Fool of a Death with Your Beauty by Aquiki Meze for our August book club. And reminder, if you have a question for us that you would like to hear us answer on the podcast in our book club episode, you can call us and leave us a voicemail at 843-405-3157. Or you can record a voice note on your phone and email it to us at badonpaperpodcast at gmail.com. I've already been seeing lots of opinions on this in the Facebook group, so I want to hear your voicemails. <laughs> Me too. And if you'd like more of us, you can follow us on Instagram at Bed on Paper Podcast. You can join the aforementioned Facebook group. I'm on Instagram at Olivia Mentor. I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.